Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest today. His name is Tim Fees Ackerley. I hope I didn't butcher that too bad. Yeah, it's good enough attempt. Good. And he's a UK-based hypnotist, a teacher of hypnotism and hypnotherapy. Now, in adverse, you know, hypnotherapy has a bit of a, a jaded past, at least when I was a boy. Uh, in my area, there was a a stage presence by the name called Ravine, and, and he used to go by the man they called Ravine, and he used to do stage acts, like bring people around and have them act like chickens or, or turn into Superman or do uh-huh. weird things under the presence of hypnotherapy. And, and it always ended in a good thing because they always put a subconscious message in their brain so that they do the good things they're supposed to do. But, you know, it was an interesting go. And, and that tweaked my interest in hypnotherapy throughout my life. So when I saw your name came up, sir, and how you use uh, hypnotism to help people with serious medical conditions, such as post-trauma, alcohol, and drug addictions, with self-worth issues and eating disorders. I said, you know, I got to get Tom on the show here and figure out how this thing works, how, how, how he gets people into a better state as a result of this altered state he puts people in with hypnotherapy. Okay, sir. Welcome. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's lovely to be here. And I'd love to answer any questions. So okay. uh, where do you want to go with that? Well, let's, to start start, let's start with your wife being terminally ill and how this helped your wife when she was terminally ill. Let, let's okay. go into that uh, and how it's helped your family. All right. Well, I never expected expected to be doing hypnosis. I had no clue what hypnosis really was. And the only reason that we ever explored it was because uh, almost 20 years ago now, my wife became very, very seriously ill uh, with something congenital. That was what caused it. But but the rapid decline was preceded by a very, very period, a very stressful period of time at work. And we found ourselves at a local hospital being told that she needed a liver transplant um but she wasn't considered fit enough to have one because she'd lost so much weight she was struggling to eat and drink and keep foods down keep keep anything down there was literally nowhere for it to go and they sent her home to die because there was nothing they could do uh and it was at that point that as many people would do we looked around for something that might help and i remembered reading a book as a teenager about hypnosis helping with certain medical conditions what we needed was to get a eating and drinking and able to keep it down and so we we decided we'd phone around see if anybody was prepared to take her on they weren't uh well there was a couple that were but it was obvious we, they weren't the right people to go with so 
I was working as a computer analyst at the time. I went to a local library, got some books, made some recordings, and she started listening to them. And, and very fortunately for us, within about two weeks, she was eating and drinking more or less normally. 13 months after that, she went on to have the first of what was several transplants. But but she is now, 20 years later, a three-time survivor of terminal illnesses. So she's very, very unusual. And the only reason that she's here, apart from the brilliant things that the doctors did, um, is because of hypnosis. It, it literally saved us. You know, it, that it, it was something that we never, a route we never expected to go down. And so that led to me becoming interested in it. I did a training course and eventually, uh, because I was a bit fed up with work anyway, uh, and I was also looking after my mum who'd had an accident. She was paralysed from the chest down. Uh, I decided, right, okay, I'm going to stop working in, computer, in computing and I'll set myself up as a hypnotherapist. Um, but, and that's how it all started because it gave me freedom in terms of the time that I had. Interesting. So what is hypnosis exactly? What is hypnosis doing to a person's brain? Okay, well, um, the, the, I suppose the best way to explain it is that uh, obviously, a, a, with hypnosis, you use suggestions. So you suggest things to people. And what you're really looking for is for those suggestions to be internalized so that then someone can act on them or view the world or themselves differently. And uh, it, it's a bit like having a conversation with somebody who, uh, if you were to imagine having a conversation with someone and everything they told you was very profound, You'd come away from that conversation feeling differently and thinking differently than you did when you went in. And there are ways to make to, to use language and to to get somebody into a state whereby the things you say to them have that kind of profound effect. And that's why uh, you were talking about that um, entertainer, the, 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 the guy that was using hypnosis for entertainment. Um, what he was doing was using language in order to change the way they were modeling reality in that moment. Uh, and so it's a, what what a hypnotherapist will do, if they're any good, at least, is they will they will use hypnosis in order to change the way somebody views reality or understands reality. So it might be the world around them or it might be their own capabilities or how they should feel about themselves, those kinds of things. So. Can anyone be hypnotized? Uh, I would say absolutely yes, because we all have been. Uh, that, that's what, you know, it's how edu education systems work. If we weren't, hypnosis is about suggestibility. The hypnotic techniques are about heightening someone's innate natural level of suggestibility uh, as far really as you can take it. Um, but we're all suggestible. If we weren't, we wouldn't be able to learn anything. You couldn't have schools because it, often what's taught in schools makes no logical sense. Um, what would be a good example? Uh, children being shown a diagram of what an atom is like uh, are, are drawn a picture of what looks like a little mini solar system. And it's nearly all empty space, but their experience of reality tells them that it's solid. Uh, and now they're they're in a, a science lesson. They're being told something that says, no, uh, reality is almost all empty space. 
if they if the teacher has credibility then they're going to come out of that lesson believing that it's not solid it's mostly empty space and that what we experience is to all intents and purposes an illusion of solidness interesting um so the same sort of principle it's just used in a different way so can hypnotism be used for a bad thing in order to turn a person into an evil thing or to do things in an evil way? Well, I would say absolutely yes. Um, and there are people, there are some people grow up in very dysfunctional or abusive families and they frequently struggle with things like issues of self-worth and you know they may end up going down a drugs alcohol crime type route as a consequence because of things that they've been told so if it obviously if you apply the same principle and you were to 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 heighten someone's suggestibility as you do with hypnosis it yes absolutely it could be used for in order to do harm but a hypnotherapist is typically not going to do that um uh uh, the, the common question is whether it can be made, it, whether you can use hypnosis to make people do things they don't want to do. Again, the answer to that is yes, it's possible, but it wouldn't necessarily be particularly easy. And if it was easy, no one would be going into a bank to rob it or, you know, a convenience store with a shotgun they'd hypnotize people and send them in to do it on their behalf. And obviously that's not happening. So it's a sort of, it's a fairly complicated question to answer, but briefly, yes, it's possible. Uh, it's not likely to happen though. If certainly if you're seeing a professional. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to bring out here. You know, there are theoretical things because of hypnotism that can happen. But in reality, it's unlikely they'll happen because the brain has safeguards built into it. And the brain has certain things in it that just doesn't let things happen in that simplistic way. It's not like an A to B sort of thing. The brain is a very complex animal. Yeah, I, exactly. And even in the deep, one of the things that most people, I think, one of the misconceptions about hypnosis is that there is that you can be controlled. And nothing could be further from the truth. If, you, if you're doing hypnotherapy and you've got someone in a very deep state of hypnosis, if you say the wrong thing, instantly, sometimes they'll just snap out of it. Uh, and sometimes it's not possible to know that you've, you know, you've hit a button that really triggers someone. Uh, but that's the reality. So it typically, it is a... It is a process whereby it's people, two people working in partnership. Uh, and that's the best way to think of it. It's certainly when it's used in any kind of therapeutic sense, it is very much a partnership. Yeah, and I can understand that. And I can understand how that partnership comes out and how it can help elevate a person to another level from where they're at. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely, it can. Uh, and like I said, that, so that's that's really what I'm looking to do when I'm working with things like chronic alcohol issues, because people typically feel pretty, pretty awful about themselves. And that is not going to help when uh, they're already struggling with an alcohol problem. Uh, so well, what I've yeah. heard, you know, what I've heard about chronic alcohol is that 
you know, even with programs like Alcoholics Anonymous, there's like a 95 to 99% failure rate. So even in programs that are true and shown to be beneficial, there's a high failure rate. Does your program with hypnotism help more than that? Uh, I would say uh, I would say it's massively more successful. If anybody wants to read about it, there was a lady called Susan Laurie that I saw who was an end stage alcoholic. That's the only way to describe her, really. She wrote a book called From Rock Bottom to Sober Forever, which you can get on Amazon, which is a truly fascinating read for anyone. Um, and she described her decline into alcoholism and all the things she tried. And, and fortunately, um, she, she didn't give up. She eventually saw me in an office that I had in Durham at the time. And I did, it was probably about a six hour session with her. Um, since when she hasn't had a drink and, uh, her life's completely different. Uh, and that was only possible because of hypnosis and the things that, that it enables. Um, so, I mean, I think everybody should read that book. It, it, whether you've got an alcohol problem or not, it is a truly, really, tr it is a brilliant book. Uh, it's absolutely gripping. Um, so, yeah, it's it's one of those things that yeah, it has very, very useful practical applications. And my big, my big, I have a bit of a bugbear with Alcoholics Anonymous, which is that people are never able to escape. Uh, and because if you understand the power, once you begin to understand the power of suggestion, the worst thing that anyone could do is go along to a regular meeting and say, you know, my name is so and so, I am an alcoholic. Because it's like continually picking at a sore, it's never, ever going to heal. Um, and it, it's something that the National Health Service in the UK uh, refer people to. They'll refer people to Alcoholics Anonymous, but the evidence base for it is practically non-existent. I, I can understand that, and, and I don't want to throw a stone at anything, but, you know, it's difficult to have a group that keeps admitting that you're always ill. You're always in a state where you will never get better. So you better not think of getting better. Yeah, and one of the things that I, that I find that I particularly don't like about that approach, apart from this continual picking at, the, at a, a scab so that it cannot heal and continually reinforcing this idea that there is a problem, um, is that... Life's always going to be a battle for anyone who's going down that route. They, the only way they're ever going to beat it is by means of willpower. And that means consciously exerting control over all of these subconscious urges and forces. And that's always going to be hard. The better approach, in my opinion, and this is only opinion because I can only give opinion, is that it's much better to change those subconscious processes so that the battle no longer needs to take place. And that's what I did with Susan, and that's what typically I'm doing with other people. Um, it's just a completely different way of looking at it. Well, and, and you know, our life is shaped by paradigms. Our life is shaped by how we look at things. 
You know, if we look at the world through Coke bottle glasses, the world looks like it's through Coke bottle glasses. So we have to learn to look at things in different ways. And we'll never rise above things unless we change the paradigms we look at things with. And I think that's why what's so healthy about what you're doing today, you're helping us to look at things in different ways. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you. I think it's really important. And we should always we should always try to find better ways to do things. I, I, by no means am I saying that, that the way I do things is necessarily the best way, but uh, certainly it is a way that for a great many people has worked, fortunately. Yeah. Um, but I'm now, always looking now, to improve it. Now, a couple of things you're working at is you work at other things like trauma, uh, drug addiction, and, and even uh, phobias to help people as well. Let's go a little bit into trauma and how you help alleviate people from the post-traumatic distress syndrome. Okay, well, there are all sorts of different methods that can be used for trauma. But my particular interest in trauma is that it has so many undesirable effects on people. So people people tend to think of post-traumatic stress or PTSD or whatever you want to call it as this sort of standalone thing that, you know, uh, uh, that happened to me and it left me traumatized. But it's all the other things that it leads to. So it it can lead to avoidance behaviors. It can lead to coping behaviors. And a lot lot of the time people will do things in order to try and handle what's what's happened to them. Uh, Last year, I worked with, um, uh, I mean, I, I don't know what, what your audience is like, whether it's predominantly adult. Um, but it, presumably you could remove this if if it's not appropriate. But I worked with a woman who had been, uh, she'd been injected with something at a, at a bar. She was taken away to a private residence and a group of men uh, all took, turns and then when they were finished they tossed her out into the street oh my god Um, oh my god it it was a massive trauma and that led to a chronic alcohol problem uh and that's why treating trauma is important because it can have so many different effects people will commonly find ways to handle it if the trauma itself isn't dealt with in a therapeutic sense then they're going to have to live with it and that means finding ways to cope and people's coping strategies vary wildly Uh, and those coping strategies are are sometimes dependent on the nature of the trauma of course so but trauma underpins all sorts of things so very often people will carry extra weight because of a trauma or they will engage in uh, avoidance behaviors and they tend to become more and more um, significant over time the more some someone avoids doing something, the the more fearful it becomes. Uh, Sometimes a trauma will lead to a phobia. So all of these things are connected. And and that's really why I'm particularly interested in trauma, because it has so many consequences. So finding effective ways to deal with that is, is important. Now, you were able to help that girl that was abused and was went into alcoholism? Yeah, fortunately, the last time I spoke to her, um, things were pretty good. Uh, and, the, you know, so for me, the, the, the wrong approach there would have been to target alcohol. You know, it's I'm an alcoholic. 
I'm, and that kind of approach, it's, it's not going to be helpful. So the, the issue wasn't the alcohol. The issue was the things that had happened to her. Uh, the alcohol was a secondary issue. So, so I treated it as such. Uh, but if she'd gone into an alcohol treatment program, many of them would look at the alcohol as a discrete issue and try to treat that without ever addressing the things that had happened. Uh, and that's that, I think, is a huge mistake. Yeah. Because I, it's taking, because even if it was successful, it's taking away someone's coping strategy. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Now let's go into phobias and how you help deal with a phobia. You know, a phobia is an unrealistic fear, uh, almost to the point of incapacitation of something, whether it be heights or spiders or, or something in a person's life. How do you deal with that? Well, there are various different ways to deal with it, but, but it, looking at it from its simplest, suppose you are a parent and you've got a, child, a young child who won't sleep because they've got this idea that there is something under the bed and they're really, really terrified and it's just, oh, I can't sleep. I know there's something there. What's a parent going to do? They're going to go into that room and they're going to talk to them. A good, a good parent will try to, they'll show them that there's nothing to be worried of. They'll talk to them. They'll reassure them. They'll give them suggestions, which is exactly what a hypnotherapist will do. If you then amplify and magnify the power of those suggestions by by incorporating something like hypnosis, so that those suggestions are very, very impactful, that's how you can deal with a phobia. You can do you can deal with it in essentially the same way. It's just that what what you're saying obviously what you're saying needs to be sensible it needs to be believable uh and you've got to cut through all of the objections uh and that's really why hypnosis can be so useful from a a very very practical uh perspective but any parent already knows many of these principles because they'll be doing it themselves they just don't know how to incorporate hypnosis Interesting. Interesting. So it's a it's a shorter hop for a parent to get there in a situation like that because they're already doing some of the things. Yeah, they're already doing some some of the things. You see the principles of hypnotherapy all over the place. I mean, Christmas Carol is a wonderful example. Uh, You know, the the that amazing Christmas story that we're all so familiar with. It's almost textbook hypnotherapy for certain things you know let's look at the past let's look at the present and let's have a look at the future see what's going to happen if you don't make changes um it's so yeah a lot of us are very familiar with many of the principles uh it's just applying them strategically and and then incorporating this thing we call hypnosis interesting let's dive into self-worth for a minute uh peter uh uh, Tim, rather, let's let's dive into to self-worth. I think it's important that we do that for our audience, because I think there's a lot of self-worth issues right now going on because of COVID. Yeah, there are all sorts. I mean, countless people struggle with self-worth. And actually, I did a, I did a fascinating experiment. I ran a workshop on confidence years ago. And we probably had about 15 or 20 people there. And I got them to the the start of the 
uh, the start of the thing, I, I got them to introduce themselves to each other, just mingle, and then write down on a piece of paper whereabouts they ranked themselves in terms of confidence relative to other people. And it was amazing because practically everyone was down at the bottom and they all were assuming, oh, this person's more confident than I am, that person's more confident than I am. Uh, and it showed you very, very clearly and them just how distorted our worldview is, because it could not be. The, it absolutely couldn't be the case. Um, so it, it is very much about the way we 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 model reality. And that's like I said, those, that's really what a hypnotherapist is doing. They're changing the way people model reality. And the beliefs that we've got about ourselves are a fiction. You know, it's an invention. Um, these are things that we've invented for ourselves. And sometimes it's been part invented for us by other people being told certain things and believing it. But that doesn't mean that those things were true necessarily. Um, and so, again, very, very simple principles. It's about describing a better and more realistic way of looking at themselves, but doing it in a way which is which is impactful. And that's like that's why I'm not a counsellor, because a counsellor doesn't have the benefit of this wonderful way to bypass objections, which hypnosis typically gives you. Um, but in, ter in terms of underlying principles, there will be some commonalities. Yeah, I think that's important. And I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, my friend, Sean Cannon, who is a actor in Hollywood, he made himself famous in uh, The Karate Kid 3 as, as the bad guy, Mike Bannon. Oh. And and he he just wrote a book called The Way of the Cobra. And, you know, he rigs out a lot of uh, Eastern philosophy and a lot of stuff in that. But he, he brings out, we are all under the influence of this little thing in our brain, uh, the, the child thing that keeps us beaten down, keeps us in a way that we shouldn't be. Uh, you know, we, we, and he suggests you name that thing, call it something so that you can deal with it and, and really put that controlling thing in its place. And I, I think we all have this part of ourselves that is negative and it doesn't help us get to another level. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's, there's this idea, isn't there, that it, that you spend the first 40 or 50 years trying to get over the first five. <laughs> For a great many people, there's a huge amount of truth in that. I, I think that's uh, true. And yeah. And early on, of course, when people, when someone hasn't got a lot of life experience, they have a tendency to believe much of what they're told and much of what they're told may not necessarily be true. Um, but once someone accepts it as being true, they will live their lives as though it is true. And then it becomes self-reinforcing. Yeah. Which, which is, which is dangerous. It is. And, and that's where you have to break the cycle. That's where you have to put it on another level. And hypnotism is another tool for helping us do so. Yeah, that's right. It's it's one tool that can be used to do so. Um, but and it's worth doing. And to just come back to what we were talking about earlier on about, you know, can hypnosis make you do things you don't want to do? 
I think that's that's one of the benefits of hypnosis. If you if somebody's seeing a professional, somebody who's actually good at using it, um, they in real life we're exposed to all sorts of suggestions: some good, some bad, some helpful, some not so helpful. And if we accept the non-helpful uh, or bow lousy ones then the consequences for us are going to be pretty lousy. If you actually go to see a hypnotherapist and they're good at what they do, they're not going to give you the lousy suggestions. They're going to give you the good ones. They're going to, only going to get the good ones. So, you know, it's in many ways, real life is far more hazardous than sitting in an office with a hypnotherapist. Yeah. Uh, Tim, I could talk to you for another hour, but unfortunately, we're at our time frame already. Time has flown by uh, in this wonderful conversation we've had. So, Tim, um, ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking with Tim Fizakerly, and I encourage you to look at the show notes because the spelling is a bit different than that so that you'll get that. And, Tim, how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to? Uh, if, if someone wants to get in touch with me, there are two ways they can either do it through, uh, uh, if they just go to Google and type up, type in Britain's fastest hypnotist, uh, they'll almost certainly be taken to my site, or, but I do also have a website, which is PTSD hyphen specialist.co.uk. Um, and uh, both of those will tell, tell them a lot more about hypnosis. And there are, there, there are a number of videos on there of people describing what their experience was like so even if they don't come to see me if they if they're going somewhere else they can at least see what hypnosis can be like worth worth looking at tim i just got to thank you for debunking the myth about hypnotism today and debunking what it's all about well i really appreciate having the chance to to uh, to answer some of these questions because the number of misconceptions are enormous and that's down to hollywood a lot of it I, I think so. And Hollywood is good. It entertains us. It keeps us from going insane. But it's bad because it gives us some false impressions as well. Certainly does. Thank you, sir. Have a fantastic day. Yeah, you too. It's been an absolute delight. Thanks very much for having me on. You're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, And I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Fantastic.